The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional, medical, or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. And welcome. Hello. I'm Kayla. And I'm Jordan. And this is Bio Psycho Social. (laughs) I am a therapist. And I'm a registered nurse. And this podcast is about all of the things that we find weird and interesting and creepy from the perspective of a mental health professional and a healthcare professional. Exactly. All the weird things of this world through our eyes. I just wanted to add a disclaimer that even though we're technically experts compared to like lay people, there's so much that we still don't know. So this is really just for fun. Um, There's I'm sure we're going to get some things wrong sometimes. So so please keep that in mind. We're just having fun here. Just having some fun. Just having a good time. Okay. We have no buy-ins. We're not sponsored by anybody. We're in my basement. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We'll see. <laughs> our first, our very first episode, as we're as we're sitting here drinking mimosas to yes. celebrate, cheers, um, is going to be about Jeannie the Feral Child. <gasps> have you heard about her before? I have. Wasn't she on Oprah or something? No. <laughs> this was like back in the seventies. Wrong Feral Child. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. Well, there are more than one. Um, At least one was on Oprah. Yeah, you're probably right. Seems like an Oprah thing to do. Okay. So I wanted to start at the very start with Jeannie's parents. So her father's name, he, he went by Clark Wiley. He was given the name Pearl. That's a bummer. Have you ever heard the Johnny Cash song, A Boy Boy Named Sue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was kind of that situation. Life wasn't easy. (laughs) Life really wasn't easy for... We're going to call him Pearl, though, because he's a huge shit stain. Pearl's my birthstone, though, so that's a real bummer. Well, yeah, that's unfortunate. You're going to have to change your birthstone. (laughs) Can't he change his... Well, he did change his name, but whatever. Okay, so... Pearl. So, Pearl. Pearl was born in 1901 in Oregon. His own father was struck by lightning. Once or twice. I I think just once. I don't know if that was before (laughs) or after Pearl was born. So I don't know if that contributed to him being a piece of shit. Not quite right. That boy ain't right. So (laughs) uh, his mom was a madame. Mm. His brother John noted that he was, quote, raised by a bar girl in a bordello. Which, wouldn't wouldn't John also be raised by, whatever. Maybe he got to go live with a kindy auntie down the street or something. Oh, maybe. Maybe. So, Pearl grew up in foster homes. He worked as a machinist on aircraft assembly lines. Mm -hmm. And he was a noted mama's boy. He had a very strong kind of weird relationship with his mom. Let me just get a red flag out. (laughs) He was said to be very reclusive. Mm -hmm. He hated loud noises and did not want children. That's fair. He did not seek out close relationships with others. Mm. 
So as I'm researching him, I'm thinking he sounds a little schizoid to me, which is, um, it's on the schizophrenia spectrum. It's a mm-hmm. personality disorder. Yeah. So I have conveniently for you listed the criteria, the diagnostic criteria for schizoid personality disorder. This person neither desires nor desires, excuse me, nor enjoys close relationships, including mm-hmm. being part of a family. Almost always chooses solitary activities, has little, if any, interest in having sexual experiences with another person, mm-hmm. takes pleasure in few, if any, activities, lacks close friends or confidants other than first-degree relatives. Appears indifferent to the praise or criticism of others and shows emotional coldness, detachment, or flattened affectivity, meaning that, like, they have no emotions. And that's from the DSM. We're on five, five. Now, I think. Yes. Yeah. That's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Psychological Disorders, the fifth edition. So he married Irene in 1944. So Jeannie's mother, who also went by a nickname, this is all very interesting. Yeah. She she went by the name Irene. Her name was Dorothy. So Dorothy, or I'm sorry, Irene was born in 1921. Her family was displaced by the Dust Bowl. When they married, Pearl was 43 and Irene was 23. I was going to say, that's a, they got a big gap. So although it was technically normal back then, yeah. this is this kind of an age difference make me makes me immediately think of like a power imbalance. Mm. So at 23, the brain is kind of at the tail end of developing. Mm-hmm. So I almost wonder if Pearl met her and she was maybe a little naive or something. Multiple. I don't know. And he took advantage of it. Oh, yeah. Because he was not a good person. So she was nearly blind due to cataracts in both eyes. And therefore, she was totally dependent on Pearl. Oh. So I'm I'm... Wondering if he was, like I said, actively seeking a woman to control and abuse. Allegedly, she struggled with her own mental health issues and was at one point institutionalized. But I wonder if she had what might have been called, like, battered wife syndrome. Was she institutionalized after they got together or before? Yes. Okay. Like, after she had children, too. Yeah. So Jeannie had, actually, she had three other siblings. So the first baby born to Pearl and Irene was baby Dorothy. She was born in June of 1948 and died in August of 1948. She was only two months old. Do we know how she died? Oh, girl, I'm getting there. Oh, girl. (laughs) He said that, oh, it said that Pearl could not stand her crying. Mm. So he would put her out in the garage where she succumbed to the cold. Oh, boy. Because, you know, the garage is a good place for a two-month-old. It's... Baby Robert was born on the 15th of September, 1949, and died on the 17th of September, 1949. He allegedly died from inhaling meconium at birth, but sources are dubious. I mean, that that can happen. Yeah. No, that's fair. Oh, yeah. obstetrics isn't my, my strong suit, necessarily. Uh, it would have to depend was... Robert born in a hospital, born at home. Did they not suction him him right away? There are certain things that happen during birth where you're more at risk in ingesting the meconium and aspirating. And and this was nineteen forty nine, too. Lower socioeconomic status. I think so, probably yeah. born at home. May or may not mm-hmm. have had assistance. 
And mom was blind and dad was Pearl. It was Pearl. It was Pearl. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Pearl. Come on, Pearl. So her brother John was born in 1952. Mm-hmm. He was the third of four children and the first to survive childhood. Like, how fucked up is that statement? Uh, yeah. So her big brother John seems like a pretty decent guy, oh. given the circumstances. Well, yeah. So due to mom's brief hospitalization, he was sent to live with his paternal grandmother, so Pearl's mama. <laughs> from ages four to six. At six years old, he tragically witnessed his grandmother get struck and killed by an out-of-control truck. Oh. And Pearl blamed John, of course, because he was a mama's boy and a piece of shit who mm. thought a six-year-old definitely had any control over a situation, you idiot. Ugh. Pearl. Uh, the teen who killed grandma was never charged. It was, I think, ruled as, like, a no-fault accident, so I don't know if there was, like, a malfunction in the, in the truck or... or- I don't know. Don't, I mean, you remember driving class when they said, like, if you're a teenager and you get behind the wheel, you'll probably kill someone or die. So that could have been it, too. I hate driving So Pearl stewed over this, the fact that this teenager was never charged. Of course he did. All right. So now we finally get to Jeannie, and that's not her real name. Hmm? But this is the pseudonym she's been given just to protect her identity for her whole life. So she was born in 1958, and Mm -hmm. she was the youngest of Pearl and Irene's children. She was born with a congenital abnormality of the hips, which was corrected with a medical device in her first year of life. Mm-hmm. Pearl blamed this for Jeannie's, quote, retardation, and, oh, because she didn't learn how to walk on time. From the time she was a toddler, Pearl insisted on keeping her in one room of the house at all times. I think this started when she was about 20 months old. Okay. She was forbidden from making noise of any kind because... Baby Pearl over here was very sensitive. Oh. So Which is how babies learn to talk. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Including crying. She couldn't even cry. Oh. She would be met with severe beatings if she did not obey. Pearl also responded by growling at her. Which is interesting because I've met dogs who are better humans than this douche canoe. Most so he was imitating are better a dog. than humans, let's yeah. be real. Yes, and cats. Yes. So John reports that he was not allowed to communicate with his sister at all. Jeannie was strapped to a homemade chair with a toilet underneath where she stayed almost all of the time. She was moved from the chair to her bed, which was a cloth-covered crib, and she was confined there with a makeshift straitjacket on. Sometimes Pearl was too much <laughs> too much of a lazy sack of shit to move her, and so he stayed in his- she stayed in her chair for days. Mom only fed her cereal or baby food and had to do this in, like, a very rushed manner, so she wasn't allowed to really interact with her own child. The neighbors had absolutely no idea she existed. And by the way, this room, the room that she was kept in, the door was always shut and the curtains were always closed, so she couldn't even see the outside world Or the light. Or the light. Yeah. I think there was a TV in the room that was just kind of left on. I don't know. But that's harmful night, not good light. Right, exactly. Oh, maybe not, because she could have learned how to speak from the TV. I don't know. Or maybe so, it was just white noise. Ugh. So, one of the quotes I read in, in one of the articles from Jeannie, when she, after she was rescued, she said, Father hit arm, big wood, Jeannie cry, not spit. Father hit face, spit. Father hit big stick, father angry. Father hit Jeannie, big stick. Father take peace, wood hit. Cry, me cry. Mm-hmm. So we're okay with calling him Pearl. So one day in 1970, while Pearl was out for groceries, Irene took the children and fled. So Jeannie was about 13 and John John was about 19. 
She went to social services office and explained her situation, asking for help. Jeannie for was her, right? Mm-hmm. Jeannie was taken to, into the custody by the state due to her severe neglect and abuse. It was one of the worst cases in the United States. I was say, can you imagine going into that? Yeah. No. Oh. You probably they probably needed lots of alcohol to deal with that. Something responders. When she was discovered, she weighed only fifty nine pounds. 26 kilograms, and she was only 4 feet 5 inches, or 134 more, 134 centimeters. So according to the CDC, the average height and weight for an American 13-year-old girl is 60 to 63 inches, so yes, between five, 5 feet five. and 5'3", five, and 95 to 105 pounds. Yeah, so, you know, half that. Yep. Uh, she stayed in the hospital from November 1970 until August 1971. So that's nine months. I did the math for you. Thank you. Severely malnourished. She had a distended abdomen. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means your abdomen protrudes. Yes. Yeah, so what's that usually caused by? Malnutrition. Okay. She was unable to swallow or chew solid foods mm-hmm. and she was incontinent and unable to stand erect. She probably had no muscle tone either because she sat majority of the time right. and everything's a muscle. You do need muscles to control your urine and control your bowel. We usually learn that by the time we're, you know, three, four-ish, mm-hmm. and then it starts to go out the window and your kegels. And right. so she never she never learned how to human, even in the most basic sense. Right. It's something that you see when somebody has dementia, where they lose control of their bladder and their bowel and their um, ability to chew. That's actually Mm -hmm. one of the last things people people lose uh, when their brain functions declining. So if she doesn't have that, it shows how like the lack of little 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 level of functioning that she had. She probably pocketed food um, when she went to the hospital. That's a good point. Yeah, because sometimes people with dementia do that. You'll put something in their mouth and you'll say, okay, good, they're eating something. Nope, the food just sits there. And that's Mm -hmm. extremely dangerous. Like a hamster. Right. Yeah, they squirrel it into the cheeks. (laughs) And you have to remove it because they could go down the throat and the term go down the wrong pipe is real Uh, and go into your lungs. Enter pneumonia hospitalization they had to probably keep a oh, yeah. huge eye on she her she was for so very long. closely monitored good so researchers were in- interested in her case due to her lack of linguistic development mm-hmm. and once she was stabilized they began to study her mm-hmm. so one researcher that's very closely linked to this case her name is Susan Curtis she w- at the time was a graduate student at UCLA studying linguistics under professor Victoria Fromkin she was like really really close with Jeannie mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of the researchers got pretty attached to her because she was a pretty sweet kid. So they, what they found, actually, was that she was not cognitively limited mm-hmm, at all. No. She was not on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. either. And in fact, she displayed behavior quite different from what's typical in these diagnoses. She began to imitate speech but relied heavily on nonverbal cues such as body language and tone of voice. And it's, I think, a really important thing to note is that when people go through, like, severe abuse especially as children, they're very, very tuned into the body language of others, those nonverbals. Yeah, it's a survival instinct. Exactly. Yeah. 
So essentially, she was cognitively within normal range for a child her age, but could not express express herself linguistically. Mm-hmm. So I mean, imagine being you, yeah. like developmentally, the where the place you are right now, but not being able to express yourself. It's like yeah. you're trapped. Yeah, it's trapped in your own body, which is hideous. And I think I read somewhere that she was expressing herself, like that her behavior was pretty poor, but that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Why? Why wouldn't it be? So what was major, mainly studied in this case was the what's called a critical period of language. Mm-hmm. So a critical period is irreversible, irreversible changes in brain function. Theoretically, after the critical period passes, the skill cannot be acquired. So mm-hmm. it's like this one opportunity that your brain gets to develop the skill. It's literally talking about neurological circuits in the brain. So if you can imagine if you've ever gone, you've gone hiking before because I've dragged you. Yes, you have. So, (laughs) you know, when you go hiking and you're on the path that's made for the hike, but then you'll see ones that go off Mm -hmm. here and there. Well, those little paths, the more people walk on them, the more obvious they Mm -hmm. become. Like the more they become an actual path. Well, your brain works the same way. So the more you perform a behavior and action, the more your brain creates this pathway that can be used again and again and again. So she was never able to use the language pathway. Like her brain was never able to learn how to do, how to make the connections. Yeah. Research has been done on different animals involving critical periods, including removing them from the litter early on. Mm -hmm. I read a meta-analysis of the research, which concludes that the longer a child um, is deprived from a nurturing stimulating environment, the greatly the likelihood of low IQ and intolerability to stressors, so they can't adapt very easily. Mm. Social and emotional behavior is also significantly impacted, and psychologically, these children are more likely to develop autism-like social behaviors and inattention or overactivity. Of course. So a very famous case that some of you might have heard of is the institutional neglect that occurred in the orphanages of Romania during the Cusco era sure he was overthrown in 1989 the year i was born the year before you were born mm-hmm. so you know so in this case 170,000 children were raised in orphanages uh researchers nathan fox charles nelson and charles zena mm-hmm. began to assess about 136 children in the early 2000s so it's a longitudinal study that lasted for 14 years the age range was between six months and three years with an average age of 22 months I read an APA article about this, which stated that when kids were moved into foster care before their second birthdays, by age eight, their brain's electrical activity looked no different from that of community controls. So if they were moved to like a loving, caring, nurturing yeah. family, they did fine before that stage. So these researchers, as well as another study by done by Megan Gunner at the Institute for Child Development at the University of Minnesota found that institutionalized children have such behavioral differences as what they called indiscriminate friendliness, or what we might diagnose as disinhibited social engagement disorder. Lack of stranger danger. Exactly. Children are indiscriminate about who they approach and do not look back for adult approval and may go off with a stranger. This is typically a result of early trauma, and it also impacts attachment. So all of this trauma can impact attachment. Yeah, because they look to their primary caregiver, and if there isn't one, they're possibly still searching for one. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to mention, I didn't write in my notes, but um, one of the biggest things that people noted when they went into these orphanages at Romania, Mm -hmm. or in Romania, 
was that all of these children were in cribs. And when you walked into the room, like, what would you expect to hear when you walk into a room full of, like, three-year-olds in cribs? Kids laughing, talking at that point. They could hear a pin drop. There was no noise. Because although the people caring for them, you know, they weren't bad people. They spent a very limited amount of time, like, nurturing them, them. talking to them, playing with them. Because with... Would you say 100 kids? They studied 176 kids. But the room had to be packed. So even if it was, you know, 30 kids, 40 kids, 50 kids, you're not going to get the time, time, individual time with each kid. No. No. I also wanted to mention Wernicke and Broca's areas, which in these cases are essentially atrophied. So these are areas in the brain. Wernicke's area is on located in the temporal and parietal lobes on the mm-hmm. left side, and they're responsible for comprehension of language. And Broca's area is in the frontal lobe and is responsible for speech production. So comprehension production yep. are atrophied. Children who deal with extreme abuse and neglect have brains that are smaller and malformed compared mm-hmm. to, I guess, the rest of the population. I don't like to use the word normal, even no. though statistically it, it means something different. But the majority, whatever. Yeah, the norm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's the same. Other than children from Roma- Romanian orphanages, for further reading, comparatively similar cases would be Anna, who was born in Pennsylvania in 1932 and was a victim of displacement and neglect, and Isabel, also born in 1938, and was raised in confinement to the age of seven by her deaf-mute mother. She developed normal linguistic abilities after she was found. Oh. There have been cases of feral children and children raised in captivity throughout history and all over the world. Mm-hmm. Fictional examples would be Mowgli, mm-hmm. of course, from the Jungle yeah. Book, and Romulus and Remus, who founded Rome. Oh. Yes. Didn't want to oh. go to the wolves or something? Yeah, they, yeah. they like, <laughs> suckled from the teat of a wolf. <laughs> I cannot. But that's the, the statue you see all over Rome. Yeah. Is them. And also, I don't know if you remember this movie. It's from 1994, but it, it's called Nell. Yes. And I was, like, absolutely fucking obsessed with this movie. Lily Skolbieski, <laughs> which is the funnest name no, no, to no. say. No, that no, was No, it was Lili. Jodie Foster. I thought it was Lily Skolbieski. Very close. Same. She looks like she could be a feral child. <laughs> Lily Skolbieski? Or... Poor thing. She doesn't deserve that. No. Um, no, Jodie Foster plays... Um, a character whose mom moves her and her sister into a remote cabin and then dies of a stroke. She makes up her own language and is discovered and researched. So um, also Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson played the researchers, which is sad oh. because they were married and Natasha Richardson, Richardson passed. Died. Oh. There's also legendary cases of the wolf of Hesse. Hesse? Hesse? From Germany in the 14th century. The bear child of Lithuania, my mm. motherland. In the 17th century, and Victor of Evelyn, France, in the 19th century, but these may be hoaxes. So, at eight, back to Jeannie now. Anyway, <laughs> any hooch. <laughs> at 18 years old, Jeannie was taken back by mom, who couldn't cope, and so she turned her over to state care homes. Susan Curtis was like, she tried to intervene, but she was a student, she said, no one would listen to me. Mm. So Jeannie kind of lived with researchers, which were bringing up concerns over conflict of interest in the research. Mm-hmm. And she, Was the research still ongoing? I think so. All right. So that's fair. But, but I think at a certain point, it just kind of fizzled out. 
Or no, it was because her mom moved her to state care, so they weren't able to access her anymore. Access, like she's a freaking guinea pig. Well, but. Yeah. And Susan Curtis said, I was her guardian, and suddenly I couldn't Aww. have contact with her, and I was heartbroken. She's presently a ward of the state in L.A., and she's about 62 years old. So what had happened was after she was taken from the care of the researchers, mm-hmm. she... um her language develop her language development whatever language she was able to gain it's went right in the toilet. yeah yeah because she was no longer being was, stimulated yeah right. and there is something to be said for this the researchers genuinely cared for absolutely it's like the hippie in me but I think stop the research and just adopt Jeannie for God's sake I know I know so uh, the Which aftermath is why I don't do research I'd be awful. I know. <laughs> Especially with, like, mice. I'd be like, no, no. Let me take it home. So, Pearl, mm. our, our buddy Pearl, died I by suicide. Bye. In Oops, 19- so that was not nice. Not nice. No. No. In 1970, after being accused of felony child abuse and neglect, Irene was also accused, oh. but she did not attempt suicide. No. Pearl left a note stating, the world will never understand. What a fucking drama queen. Like, no, we just don't want to hear your pathetic excuse for why you're a monster. There's no good reason to do that, too, kid. There's absolutely none. Zero. Um, Irene died in 2003 at the age of 82. Mm -hmm. John had a daughter. That's Jeannie's brother, if you remember. Yeah. He had a daughter who he noted that he felt as though he failed when the cycle kind of continued with her. I don't think there was any abuse there. No. But she did develop a substance addiction. So John's two twin granddaughters were taken out of their mother's custody when she was found intoxicated while caring for them. So it's it's kind of like that generational trauma, almost. Right. And also mental illness definitely running in that family. Absolutely. John died in 2011 at the age of 59 from complications due to diabetes. Presently, the whereabouts of Miss Jeannie are... Unknown. Like, they, well, like she's in LA, I guess, but they don't really know. Know where she is. Much or, else. Yeah. Or how she's doing. Or, well, I hope she's happy. I do too. She was such a cute kid, too. I'm going to post pictures of her on our Instagram. There is also, there is a really good documentary done by Nova. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love On PBS, Nova. yeah. Called, like, Secrets of the Wild Child, I think. Yeah, I think I had to watch that for a class yeah, or something. Yeah, probably did. Yes. I think I it. learned about her in one of my psych classes. And I'm getting her mixed up with another kid that was on Oprah. So that's Jeannie. And that concludes our first episode. Holy schmozes. We did it. We did. (laughs) (laughs) So what was, give me the highlight of your week. Let's go to something more lighthearted. The highlight of my week. I mean, it was (laughs) 2020. I mean, New Year's Eve was fantastic. Yeah. We are recording this on January 4th. Yeah, so that was a good part of my week. This is true. That was fun. I was, was here fun. for Yeah, that. you were here. We ate risotto balls and... Yes, mushroom balls. Yeah, they were delicious. And wow. we played the Ruth Gator- Bader Ginsburg game. Yeah, we did. That was awesome. I, what was my highlight of the week? Yeah, what was it? Girl, I don't know. The mushroom balls? Mushroom balls were delish. Mm-hmm. Um, Oreo balls were delish that I had on New Year's Day. <laughs> That's probably it. Food, family, friends. Yeah. What more is there? Money. Yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. thank you guys Thanks. for listening. 
dozens of you, tens of you. Ten, there are tens, tens of, of us. We hope that you like what you heard. If you do, please subscribe. subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Yes, we are on. We're on Instagram at BiopsychPod. Mm-hmm. So B I O P S Y C H P O D. We're also on Twitter at BiopsychPod. If you would like to interact with us there, if you know, does it mean I have to get a Twitter? You can if you want. <laughs> yeah. But I like Instagram because I don't have to think that hard. Yeah. I barely ever post, but we'll post, post on our Yeah, our we'll podcast. post on ours. Yeah. So if you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Share, share with your, your friends and your mm-hmm. family and your therapist and your yeah. nurse and your doctor and, and his your... brother. <laughs> you <know>. Everybody. <laughs> your dog. Cats. Listen with your dog. Listen. Yeah. I bet they'll like it. I'm sure. Um, and we will see you next time. Bye. Until then, make good choices. Take care of yourself, body, mind, and soul, biopsychically and socially. <laughs> and like Bill and Ted said, be excellent to yes. each other. We love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. Bye.